the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications. Data networks built for business. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 205. I'm Paul Spain, and with me is... Attila Saras, SOS Tech Solutions. Great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This is your first uh, first time on the on the show. I'm I'm here in Honolulu. Tell us where you fit into the the tech world uh, here uh, in Hawaii. Sure, sure. Well, uh, SOS Tech Solutions is a small startup. I founded a few years ago. Uh, we really uh, help small businesses, small to medium sized businesses, uh, be successful. You know, SOS stands for a lot of things, but in our world, it stands for Systems Optimized for Success. I really like to find the right fit tech products, solutions, and and find the, the people that can really take advantage of them and benefit from them. And, uh, you know, I, I think as people, we should all be striving to always be improving. And, uh, you know, I really like helping businesses do that. So. Cool. Oh, that sounds good. Sounds like a, a little bit of a... Uh, crossover with uh, with with what my firm Gorilla Technology does, so uh, so some synergies there. So hey, it's been uh, it's been good spending a bit of time uh, catching up, chatting business today. But now let's jump into uh, to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, I'm going to start just with a few news bites. Uh, first up, the new Nexus Nine has uh, has launched here in the US uh, from from Google and made by HTC. So this is pretty much the first uh, the first device to launch with the new version of Android Android Five uh, Lollipop that's just uh, just become available. Um, although there don't seem to be any in stock here in uh, stores in. Uh, Hawaii at the moment, but uh, due apparently in the next uh, next few days. But that's just uh, just landed big new flagship device in the Nexus series from Google. Uh, in other news, we hear that uh, Facebook Messenger now has 500 million active users. That's a pretty impressive number, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Isn't that? Is, and you know what's really made it possible are all of these mobile devices. And you know that. Uh, Google keeps releasing new stuff. You know they're always going out to new vendors. I think HTC is a fantastic switch. They're using LG for a long time, which is still a great product. Great product. You know you're going to get more and more people using mobile messengers. The more that they have these fancy mobile devices, so um, you know we're we're looking at a table full of mobile devices here. Do you always have this many mobile devices <laughs> when you do your shows? This is this uh, is neat. Usually, usually a lot more actually. So wow. um, yeah. Yeah, my my desk is usually uh, strewn with a, a lot of new devices, and yeah, I guess it's one of the things I I enjoy sort of uh, you know is comparing the new technology, seeing what they what they can deliver over and above the sort of the previous generations, you know how that can help users and 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 businesses and so on is sort of the perspective I'm looking at it. Uh, from so yeah we've got a few interesting ones we'll try and dive in and have a have a chat about one or two of those during this this episode um, now the other bit of news that i found interesting is uh, this snail mail my email which converts your digital message into uh, into a, a letter uh, handwritten and gets mailed out for you so yeah this was an interesting one that i uh, just just came across now the story is basically you can go to uh, to their website, which is snailmailmyemail.org, put in a message and an address, and they will create a really nice message, and um, they'll pop it in the uh, in the post for you. Now, there's a short window of time 
pretty short window of time from uh, I think it's from now through to uh, 16th of November and they'll do this for you for uh, for free apparently it's a movement that was uh, originally started in 2011 by an artist uh, Ivan uh, Cash and this is just on for uh, basically uh, a week that's pretty good uh, science fiction come to life have you seen that movie Her? Oh, yes, yes. There you go. So next, all we need is is a phone that is uh, fully intelligent that we can now have a relationship with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not so sure about that one for me, but um, yeah, interesting times. Now, uh, let's jump into sort of discussion topics. Uh, Now, new from Amazon, they've uh, announced and made available their uh, Amazon Fire TV, a little set-top box available in the U.S. uh, earlier on the year. I had to play around with that. Uh, actually brought it with me to the to the US in case I wanted to watch any any Netflix or you know similar type of content while I was here. Um, although I did forget the remote control. The, um, fortunately, the, there's <laughs> lots of other ways of uh, of watch, watching content when you're when you're on the go. Uh, one of those is the Amazon uh, Fire TV stick, which uh, was announced. Now I was going to grab one of these, but it actually hasn't uh, hasn't started uh, shipping yet. But it basically puts um, puts a set-top box into an HDMI-type dongle that you can plug straight into your TV. Uh, launching at $39, US but they were doing an initial offer uh, for those that were uh, signed up to um, uh, Amazon's subscription uh, program. What Can you remind me what that's called? Oh, Am- the Amazon Prime, of course. Amazon Prime, that's the, that's the name that I'm looking for. Um, and they were offering it to Amazon's Prime subscriptions for... Uh, uh, subscribers for uh, for nineteen dollars, so uh, pretty easy for people to jump on board and to uh, try that. Well, it's good to use, and uh, you know, of course, there's a financial incentive. It allows you to get movies on demand and buy other products and services. And you know, to be fair, Amazon has done a really good job making uh, you know competitive devices to Apple TV, uh, and they have you know much. They have better processors, much more storage and capacity. Uh, so. They are. They do have a good track record, and they're getting into some uh, some new uh, new spaces that they haven't been in before with that uh, new product you were telling me about earlier. Yeah. Well, uh, before we jump and talk about the Echo, there's uh, there is one area where they haven't done so well, and that was the Amazon Fire phone, uh, which they announced a few months ago, didn't they? And that was pretty much a, a flop. And I guess the lesson they've learned here uh, is they've got to have. A, a really enticing product, but it's also got to come in at a really sharp price. If it's designed to encourage people to uh, use Amazon more, to be buying their content or product through Amazon, uh, then the device that enables that generally needs to either just be absolutely mind-blowing or it's got to come in at a sharp price for them to sell lots of. And uh, that certainly seems to be what they're doing with the uh, the fire fire tv stick uh, but on the yeah the fire phone um i think it was just too expensive for what it's it was it's a crowded space it's tough i mean you know apple is has has spent a lot of time really honing that market the amazon can't just come in and and push them off the shelf it's it's not going to happen so to have that expectation is tough and you know samsung has spent many years and billions developing an incredible line of products same thing Amazon's not going to come in and push them off the shelf. So they're, they're, I'm not sure what they were thinking on, on that front. But, you know, these other products that you, you mentioned, the uh, the stick and the uh, Fire TV, uh, you know, there, there's room for growth there. That's, that's, uh, that's uh, you know, uh, it's fertile ground. They can really do a lot, 
bring in a good quality product and and set up shop and 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 take that market share that uh, you know Apple and some of these other players have had a tough time getting into, and it's because they have that Amazon backbone, that huge, incredible infrastructure that can really make a difference and change the way that we live in our homes. Uh, you just uh, it's hard to do that with a phone mm. so you know neat stuff now what about this new product uh the amazon echo now this looks pretty interesting they've got a um a availability initially uh, just on an invitation basis although as as is quite typical for these online things um you can request an invitation so you can sort of invite yourself uh, and see if you can get get on the list uh, launching at a uh, hundred and ninety nine uh, dollars although a way to sort of I guess kick start the excitement is offering them at a steep discount to uh, Amazon prime members for uh, for ninety nine ninety nine US dollars and they're describing it as um, Something that's designed around your your voice, and really we're looking at a at a speaker, but it's also got uh, what has it got? Seven microphones built in, right? It's got a bunch of them, mm. and it's always listening, which can kind of creep people out. But in some ways, uh, in your home, you're probably already in need of information. So the idea is that you have this you have this little tower that's kind of sitting there in your in your countertop, and you yell at it and say, Alexa, how many you know, cups are in a gallon, and, and it'll do the conversion for you. Uh, it can it can uh, tie to your phone, so it can play your playlists. Uh, it's a speaker, so it can it can play the things that you usually can. One thing I was really searching for is to see if it could act as a as a Bluetooth phone, but uh, it doesn't look like it can. So it's strictly like a Bluetooth speaker. But the idea is that you have all these cloud based services that they can continually uh, give you and feed you more information as a standalone device. So it doesn't use your phone to go out there uh, into the cloud to go get this information. It actually has its own backbone. Uh, So that makes it a very interesting web-connected device. And you can go onto onto their uh, Amazon.com, and it's right there on their homepage. And you can watch a little video. It's very cool. And, you know, it has, like... You know, define. You know, a, a sister sitting there with a brother, and she says, "Define annoying." <laughs> you know, and then it, it it reads the definition. So it can be a homework tool. It's a utility tool, and I think I would find it really, really useful when we're cooking in the kitchen, and you know, you're trying to look up a recipe for something or do some sort of conversion. You can just yell at it. Yeah, um, I see. You hit. You do your uh, your wake word to. Uh to uh, alert it that you're 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 talking to it. So as you say, uh, that whack word might be Alexa, or it, or it could be Amazon, or whatever whatever you uh, you set up, and uh, and then yeah, you you fire your uh, your request at it, right? And there's all sorts of things you mentioned in the kitchen. You know, how many teaspoons are in a tablespoon is one of the examples, or uh, you know, Wikipedia, and then uh, you know what what you want it to find for you on uh, Wikipedia. Uh, you can get it to add something to your uh, to-do list. So it's very sort of, um, I guess you compare it to uh, uh, to Siri from, from Apple, uh, Cortana from Microsoft, that sort of thing um, that we have built into our phones. But the fact that it's 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 always on, uh, you're not having to pull your phone out of your pocket to uh, to do it if you've got one of these sort of things sitting around in a kitchen or wherever you, you want to have it sitting or you can ask it to play a particular playlist or, or some, some music. 
Well, and that's the thing. After we're done cooking in my kitchen, I have to wipe off the iPad because it is just disgusting from, you know, <laughs> sticky fingers. The one thing I, I, I see this as a, as a future for, for the, uh, you know, for this device, for the Echo, is that you can yell at it and say, hey, I'm, I need new sheets. Uh, you know, Alexa, order me some sheets. Right away, sir. Here it is. <laughs> and then it comes in the mail. So my, my prediction is that it's going to be a shopping tool. Yeah, and I'm sure, uh, you know, when you when you look at things that come from Amazon, they're always geared towards helping Amazon, right? It's helping you, but in a way that you're going to keep transacting with Amazon. So, you know, in there is, uh, you know, one of their examples is you can, yeah, play some music. Play some music by Lord. Yeah, it's going to go out and and pull that through. And if you've got your Prime subscription, then it's going to use that. Keeps you hooked into their uh, their service or add something to your shopping list. I guess it's going to uh, yeah try and uh, make sure that you buy that product through Amazon if if at all possible. Hide it from the kids. <laughs> Could be dangerous. <laughs> Could be expensive, right? So yeah, I'm not sure uh, quite when we'll be able to get our hands on. Um, on the Echo, but uh, we'll certainly be uh, be trying to grab one of those and uh, uh, have a little bit of a, a little bit of a play with it. Um, it does tie into some um, some other services, so uh, it's not just Amazon's music services, uh, iHeartRadio, and and TuneIn, um, and it is Bluetooth enabled, so you can sort of tie it tie it in uh, to. Yeah, whatever else you're running on on your phone or your tablet as well. So, um, which maybe means you can also use it for phone calls. But we'll, I guess, we'll find out the realities of those sorts of things when uh, when we get there. But uh, you can use it. It's got, as you say, it's got um, the sort of some smarts built into it in terms of processing Wi-Fi. It connects, uh, um, you know, right directly into your your home wireless. It doesn't need your phone to uh, uh, to to drive it. And um, yeah, setting alarms and bits and pieces like that, without having to um, you know touch a device, sounds kind of cool. You know, to be fair, um, we've seen products like this in the past that are kind of on their way. Uh, smart lamps are one of them. Mm. Uh, so you know, they're kind of trying to build this stuff into uh, home decoration I- I- uh, items. But I believe the smart lamps have a much higher price point. They're around the six to six hundred to a thousand dollar range. So this is a, a much more affordable. Uh, you know, better technology. And, you know, in my opinion, we're going to see a lot more of these. Uh, these There have been some other vendors that have made uh, Echo-type devices, and, you know, they, they have a much higher price point. Um, obviously, you know, time will tell. Uh, these things are not out yet. The first thing I did was look on eBay, and they are not, there's none listed there. You so just can't get your hands on them, right? Just can't get your hands on yeah, them, not yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll be looking looking forward to that. Seeing if we can get uh, an invitation, uh, one way or another, to uh, to have a little bit of a play with that, and uh, we'll chat about that on a uh, on a future episode. Now, last week we were talking about uh, Microsoft and uh, the fact that they've gone to unlimited storage within their cloud uh, uh, service within uh, one OneDrive. and you know also we've seen a similar thing from uh, from from Google. Uh, for the users that are on sort of the professional version of um, um, Google's cloud services, Google Apps, and so on. Um, so, and and um, Dropbox are doing this to a degree with an unlimited uh, storage option on one of uh, um, 
one of their you know, their business offerings as well. But we were we were talking about the pressures this puts on Dropbox who are wanting to uh, launch on the stock exchange, whether they really have a future as a company, and they made an interesting announcement in the last few days. Have you, uh, have you did you hear anything about this one? Well, uh, I've heard that they're that Microsoft and Dropbox are getting along now. Yeah, well, this this is an interesting one. So, um, what Dropbox have, have uh, and Microsoft have said is basically, uh, Dropbox users will be able to. Uh, uh, yeah, basically open their files uh, within the cloud version of Office. So, uh, you know, if you've got a Dropbox account, you will be able to then uh, go and within a, you know, from a, a web perspective, go and edit those documents online. Uh, Microsoft Office will now extend itself so it will natively uh, be able to add Dropbox as a service and, and talk a little bit more uh, seamlessly, I guess, than just working with a file that's synchronized to uh, to Dropbox. So uh, I guess this is quite typical of Microsoft, isn't it, to uh, to try and partner up with with anyone that they can to ensure that they sort of remain um, you know, a really important uh, piece within the picture of whatever anybody does. And you know, we've seen them launching uh, all of their apps across every mobile platform. Uh, you know, any platform that's doing well, Microsoft want to be there and uh, office i guess has been one of their one of their big cash cows over the years so um you know here they're giving away uh office to a degree in terms of that that uh web access to it but they're also uh ensuring their future is that how, how you'd pick it well of course i mean one of the criticisms with microsoft and this was uh this is pretty much since xp is that they said you know they haven't really brought out a big change in operating systems in over a decade and Microsoft was really focused. It seemed like even for a couple of years that the, that the stock was stagnant. Uh, they kind of lost their way. They were, they were kind of, well, we're a desktop computer software maker, and you know we got this Xbox thing on the side that seems to be making more money than any, any of these other things combined. So uh, now... Uh, they, I would say, probably since 2011, when they off, when they launched Office 365, that's when it really started to change. So the past three years have really seen that Microsoft become this cloud-based company, and now they're 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 doing the same things that they've always done, you know, back in the 90s, which really made them one of the most profitable companies on earth i mean they were the first one to hit a billion dollars in sales one year that was i think in 1988 or something like that so these guys know what they're doing when it comes to selling they just had to kind of get with it and they were not going to compete with the ipads and the mobile devices and yeah surface is there uh i know you're selling particularly well right it's uh it's one of those products where they've developed a nice product but microsoft haven't necessarily had all the the pieces to make it uh, to sell well, and because it's a device that does so many things. Whereas, uh, you know, when we look at some of the other products in the market, it's very clear what they do and how they do them. And uh, you know, Microsoft actually delivering something that's maybe a bit more of a Swiss Army knife uh, probably has confused the market a little bit as well. Well, and that's the thing. You know, what my 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 grandma is still alive. She's you know she's in her late eighties, and guess what she has? iPad. She's okay with using an iPad. It's made the technology available to everyone. That's that's been Apple's core. And you know, you and I are tech heads, but we're sitting here with Apple products, which is essentially Absolutely. something that my my two and a half year old is comfortable using my iPad, just fine. So uh, 
you know, the Apple's got that that niche cornered. So back to the Microsoft question you had earlier, Microsoft figured it out. They said, you know what, we're going to focus on the future, the future architecture of our nation, and that is the cloud-based products and services. So they're they're back up to uh, you know where we were before. Everyone's using Dropbox. Well, guess what? They're going to try to integrate it somehow. And if Dropbox wouldn't have played nice, would have happened just like what happened. Uh, what was it with Stacker in the '90s? You know they they had uh, they had this great compression technology, and at a time when drive space was at a premium, you know you couldn't go out and get a you know 64 or 128 gig flash drive. It didn't exist. You know you had a, had maybe a one gigabyte hard disk, and that that was that was rolling. That was awesome, <laughs> you know, in the 90s. And, uh, you know, to compress that space, they had some third-party tools. Microsoft wanted to license it. Stacker didn't want to play. Well, they made it themselves. You know, they Gave used it away them. for free, right? That's right. Yeah. They, they yeah. licensed and I, it And I guess there's vendor. a degree to which they've been doing that with uh, with OneDrive. But, the, you know, the thing was there that Dropbox had had such a big market share. So uh, by the two companies co- cozying up, I think it probably helps the future of both firms. What I'm curious about is where Dropbox will be in five years. So is Dropbox going to make a successful launch onto uh, you know, an IPO onto the stock exchange in the US or is this going to be something where Microsoft comes along and uh, buys them within the next five years? Any thoughts? Microsoft has always had a lot of money in the bank. And in general, companies eventually reach a good you know they get a good offer from microsoft and it benefits both parties so if dropbox were to go public great they're prime for acquisition uh google's also you know i don't hear a lot of mention of google drive but they also had a unlimited you know offering yeah that's right so um but no one really seemed to notice now i'm a big fan of google products i love it uh but microsoft has had a much better uh, has done a better job of integrating their operating system together with this cloud solution. Yeah, I think one of the things that Microsoft's had in that in that front, uh, when we certainly look at sort of uh, the bigger bigger end of town in terms of businesses and organizations, is that most of those organizations have been using Microsoft Office and Microsoft products for a long time, right? So when Microsoft comes to town with an offering, that becomes quite a uh, a natural option to be considered, whereas it's a bit more of a jump to maybe ditch uh, you know Microsoft stuff and move entirely across to Google, but more at the the startups and the smaller business end has probably been where micro, where uh, you know where certainly what I've noticed is where Google have had more attention. What what have you been seeing here in the U.S.? Well, I'll I'll tell you something really interesting now that you bring it up. You know, for for years, everyone kind of jumped onto this cloud based like let's say email. You know, everyone used Outlook for. 20 years, right? And then like uh, 2008, 2009, uh, oh, well, we got this, you know, you know, cloud-based, you know, let's use Google Apps, Google-hosted apps, or let's use the, you know, cloud-based, uh, you know, hosted exchange. And then, you know, all these other providers started popping up and, you know, you didn't see Squirrel Mail anymore. There was much more robust interfaces. There were some acquisitions. Zimbra, right, was bought by Yahoo. That was another exchange-based product. Uh, but the idea is, Everyone was using web-based, 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 web-based. And now there's like this swing. It's kind of like the smartwatches. You know, for years, people haven't been wearing watches, including myself. I'm holding up my hand. There's yeah, no watch right. on it. Yeah. Uh, but now watches are back, you know. Uh, so I'm seeing the same thing with uh, with Microsoft products. You see Outlook. 
on the shelves, on people's computers. They're like, I demand Outlook. It feels so good to have Outlook back. It's like nostalgia uh, to have Outlook and Microsoft Office and all these products again. So the pendulum has swung the other way. And, you know, as IT people, you know, we, we really like that because now they can get back to work. There's no more of this, you know, hierarchical group based viewing and you know complicated searches now it's back to back to basics and uh i believe that that trend is continuing not just here in hawaii but all across the country and i i I presume across the world as well the the pendulum is swinging back to the core basic products and tools that that you know employees have been using for decades and now they're back and they're better yeah, I mean it was interesting. Microsoft just announced, uh, I think it was uh, in the in the last week actually, a uh, new version of Outlook for the for the Mac. And uh, yeah, Microsoft Office has traditionally lagged a little bit on the uh, on the Mac, but uh, then they've uh, they've just pushed that out. And then uh, there's a new version of Office, obviously coming for uh, for Windows and and Mac uh, sometime next year as well. And yeah, I think there's that sort of renewed focus on producing. Uh, good quality desktop applications that are you know that are meant to sort of trump i guess the online versions but uh yeah microsoft is certainly still making sure that their their online products are good and and getting better in fact uh you know you've got that sort of i guess in between point which is the the tablet and the smartphone based apps and microsoft just announced uh, also that they're making uh, office available on uh, you know, on our mobile devices now for free as well, whereas before that required a, a subscription. So there's some interesting changes going on with this new uh, leadership at Microsoft, isn't there, in terms of you know, where Microsoft have traditionally made so much money out of Office, they're realizing they've got to give away a lot of Office uh, to get the businesses to come back and buy those Office 365 subscriptions and the, you know those Office uh, licenses. But I think they realize they can uh, they make the money out of businesses that in part used to come from consumers whereas now the consumers are getting so much for free. Well, and and you know there's you know like like you said they're they're swinging back Office 365 also has a lot of the tools and utilities that typically they would have to go out uh, or a small business would have to go out uh, hire an expensive IT professional to bring in, you know, some equipment and set it up in a certain way so that it would all work. And now those in terms of servers and, and infrastructure yeah. and so on, yeah, yeah. And now that responsibility can then be shifted to Microsoft and be resold, you know, through those same IT people. And uh, you know, as further proof that we are swinging back to what people want is Windows 10 beta. Have you seen that? Yeah, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? The start menu is back. You got a start menu again. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That was the biggest gripe with Windows 8. Everyone said, wait, I click the start menu button and all these tiles pop up. Yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. Where did my start menu go? Right, yeah. Needed that bit of training. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's good to see that that the, uh, we'll call them the new Microsoft. I mean, uh, you know, these big companies are always reinventing themselves and and rethinking things. But, yeah, it's good that they seem to be, uh, they seem to be, Listening, shall we say? Now, last week we spoke about uh, this little uh, Toshiba uh, tablet, the Toshiba Encore Mini, and we had a little bit of a, a little bit of a play around with this before. Uh, Ninety nine dollars, which I thought was a, a pretty uh, pretty cheap price point for a you know, Windows based uh, tablet. 
Um, it's since gone up to 119. So apparently the 99 dollar price was a was a special, um, but this has already been trumped with uh, the announcement or the the confirmation of of launch uh, by HP of their uh, their competing product, which is the HP Stream Seven, and uh, we'll talk about that more on on a podcast over the probably uh, next week or the or the week after. Um, but HP are launching a. Uh, a similarly sized tablet, ninety nine US dollars is is the launch price, uh, but instead of sixteen gigs worth of storage, it's doubled it to uh, to thirty two. But it's coming in at that uh, that same sort of price point, and uh, I think it's also coming uh, the same as the Toshiba in that it's coming with a uh, a one year subscription, uh, personal subscription to Office three six five, which here in the US I know if you were to buy it on its own is sixty nine dollars. Yeah. Um, so there's some interesting sort of stuff going on there, and uh, you know the reducing cost of hardware, uh, giving away of surface um, of services, or you know bringing them down, bundling them in. And I'm kind of curious how uh, you know how these things are going to play out in terms of getting uh, getting Microsoft a little bit more attention than than what they've had in the past. And actually, as I look through the agenda this week and uh, and even last week, there just seems to be a lot of Microsoft. Things going on, they, they're you know they're, they're getting a bit more attention in the marketplace than probably they have done for uh, uh, for quite a few years. Well, the Microsoft Store has a lot to do with it. Uh, for for decades, if you wanted to know what Microsoft was all about, guess who you had to call a Microsoft professional, and then they would tell you, "We got this server, we got that server, we got this Windows, we got that Windows," or you would go to Best Buy, uh, which is a retail store uh, out here in the states, and uh, you know, you would talk to someone who's who's fairly well trained about you know what this product could do for you in your home. Uh, but now you can go to the Microsoft Store and you can see all these other vendors who are creating products using Microsoft, and uh, you can use their mobile devices and you can try this out. And you know, Microsoft has done. Uh, you know, I've interviewed the uh, the you know general manager here at the Microsoft Store, and it was it was very interesting the philosophy behind the stores that they're really trying to bring community involvement. You know, when uh, when I, I believe it was last Halloween, they were giving candy out. Uh, they have, you know, special sales and special events where they'll, they'll bring in musicians and these kind of things. So the Microsoft Store isn't just a place to show up and fool around with equipment. It's, it's very community-oriented. And I so they're sort of tr- they're trying in some way to make Microsoft a bit cool again. A bit cool and, and, and well, can, can, friendly. Can friendly. Microsoft be considered cool? Well, it's. Uh, I guess it depends. I mean, uh, nerds were not cool in the '80s. Uh, that's why there were so many movies made about us. And uh, I, I'm not afraid to, to call myself a nerd. Uh, and and now you know, nerd is sexy. So I guess uh, having a, a nerdy phone and a and a, you know a bunch of nerdy people, you know, there. I don't know if you know this, but I used to be the head geek here at the Geek Squad, so I had a little tie and yeah, a little okay. nerd outfit and a yeah, little badge. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun. You know, it, it allowed me to be who I really was without without fear. And well, so, it gets tech so mainstream these days, isn't it? Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it becomes yeah. mainstream. So you asked me what, what I thought of this product. I think this is a great product, the Toshiba. It yeah, it's a very cool mini. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah, the, it's going to be fascinating just to see uh, to see how these new products 
land and it's it's certainly a, a whole new world for Microsoft where they're able to uh, uh, be at the same sort of price point as some of the Android uh, devices. Now, um, these new tablets are based on um, Intel's new Atom processors that they, they launched um, you know, late late last year. And we, we, you know we'll see we'll keep seeing new generations of these uh, these chips come through, but you know very low power. They can compete with what we've seen uh, in terms of uh, non Windows uh, type tablets. But in terms of uh, performance and so on, they seem to work pretty well. You know, plenty of hours with the battery life and a pretty good experience. And I remember when we go back to uh, yeah the traditional low cost Android tablet, they were horrible to use. Um, a pretty painful experience, and I think um, you know Microsoft are, are, are very fortunate here, really, that Intel have come to the party and have and have put together a chip that's both affordable uh, and works well in low cost uh, devices. And uh, yeah, it was probably twelve months ago Intel said, "Hey, there are going to be ninety nine dollar tablets coming to the market with our chips in them," and you know I think there was a, there was. Yeah, people had had bad experiences with low-cost tablets, but um, these are actually reasonable products. Well, and that's the thing. When you see Intel, when you see that Intel sticker, you know it's going to work in general. You know, there's there's no bugs. And you and I have been in the IT world forever. Whenever you see a, a, another brand, you always, you're always you a little bit anxious to sell that equipment <laughs> to the customers and, and to promise them that it's going to work day in, day out. But Intel has that good track record. It's kind of like the Toyota of the of the uh, computer world. So yeah, it's pretty consistent, right? Refreshing to see it in this Toshiba tablet, and this thing looks durable enough for my kids to throw around the living room. So I'm very excited to pick one of these up. Yeah. Um, all right. So now, obviously, we're, we're also seeing Android tablets coming in. Uh, some with the uh, uh, with the Intel based um, Atom chips as well. Um, ASUS have been uh, playing a lot in in that space. Um, not a whole lot in terms of uh, smartphones with the Intel chips yet, but you know that sort of thing. Well, we'll see that that may uh, may change a little bit over time. Now we we mentioned uh, a little bit earlier around the uh, the new uh, Nexus Nine uh, device from from Google, and there's also the uh, the Nexus uh, Six, which is uh, which is is launch is about to launch as well, uh, which is the new uh, Google. Uh, smartphone uh, launching here in the in the US at uh, I think six hundred and forty nine dollars. Um, so these are the the two new products that launch with uh, Android Five Lollipop uh, with a new material design. It seems like uh, Google have really pulled it together from a design perspective. And you know, traditionally they weren't really the the leader when it came to sort of the uh, the the user experience and the user interface. Uh, but they seem to be doing a really great job with uh, with Lollipop. Now, a couple of interesting things. Um, one, yep, we've got uh, we've we've got the Nexus Nine uh, and the Nexus Six that are that are launching with uh, with Lollipop, um, but Google seem to be a little bit behind the eight ball with with their existing devices, uh, like the Nexus Seven. They uh, Google haven't announced uh, Lollipop for that yet, so there's a little bit of a waiting game. Um, and we've just heard that um, LG are actually first up to the plate with. Uh, um, with an Android Five uh, Lollipop upgrade, um, and uh, they finished uh, they finished developing the upgrade for the um, the LG G3, which is you know, one of the most stunning uh, Android smartphones on the market uh, right now with that uh, uh, glorious 5.5 inch uh, display and so on. 
Um, this this is an interesting that uh, LG should uh, should actually beat uh, Google uh, to the punch. Now, yeah, what what are your thoughts on that? Well, have have you played with the camera on the G three? Yeah, amazing. That camera is something. It has it's a little bit curved the display also, so it it has a really good look. Mm. Now, mm. I'm going to say something. I'm going to take a little bit of a stand. I feel that the build quality. On the Samsungs, though, just a little bit better than the than the LGs. Well, you're you're holding the new Note Four there, which which um, I've been playing around with quite a bit over the last few days, and this is a step up, I think, for uh, for Samsung with the you know the the um, uh, the the metal sort of aluminium edging to it, which is really really solid. Um, I think in the past a lot of people have said to me, "Oh, you know, the the build quality on some of these Samsungs doesn't doesn't feel as good, very plasticky." Um, and uh, yeah, admittedly, the Note Four still got yeah plastic back and so on to it, but it is feeling like a very uh, very strong and solid built um, handset. But what we don't know yet is still the exact timing on when all these uh, Android Five updates are going to come out. To even with with the LG, uh, we don't know exactly when that's going to land in every country. I think it's only Poland that it's uh, it's announced to be available this week. But the fact they've got it launching in one country, I think, means we'll we'll just be waiting on the the uh, the telcos to sign it off in uh, in other countries, and hopefully that'll happen uh, pretty soon. And hopefully uh, Samsung and HTC and and others will step up to the plate reasonably quickly. This puts a bit of pressure on. I think uh, if LG can do it, it puts them sort of in that leader spot. So the other guys aren't going to want to muck around too long. Well, and that's the thing, you know. Google also makes a very clean device. That's 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 something that should be said. When you get a Samsung, it's a great phone. It's fantastic, but there's a lot of apps preloaded on there, and it tends to drive people nuts. Um, when you get a, a Google device, a Nexus device. It's totally clean. There's nothing on there. And, you know, for us tech heads, we really appreciate that because then that allows us to put on what we want. We know there's no background running apps and nonsense in the, in the background. So having a nice clean phone like that, I think that also gives them an edge that, that should be put into, the, uh, into, the, uh, into your bucket list. You know, having a nice clean phone, a, a strong, quick, fast phone with good build quality. The Nexus has all those, has all those uh, boxes checked. Yep, no, that's that's a fair point, and uh, certainly looking forward to getting some uh, some some hands-on time with the new uh, Nexus devices. Um, now, in terms of um, other devices, we've also been uh, yeah playing around with the uh, um, the iPad Air. Two over the last uh, last couple of weeks, and the uh, the iPad Mini three. Now you were comparing the iPad uh, Mini three to your uh, your iPad Mini uh, two. What was, I mean, from a, a visual perspective, it's uh, it's not dramatically different, is it? No, it, lo- it looks like the same thing. It's a little bit more responsive. It is, isn't it? It's just definitely a, a, a snappier uh, snappier device. Um, now. On the uh, on the flip side, there's been some, uh, I guess, some rather negative news uh, as far as far as um, um, Apple Macs and um, iOS devices with some uh, some malware that's been in the in the media over the last few days. Now, um, this doesn't look too good for Apple, does it? When these sorts of things happen. Yeah, but people tend to forgive Apple for unusual things. I'm sure you know all about. The history behind when they release a product, and you know, there's a little bit of a fault with it. You know, a- Apple fans are pretty tolerant, and and to be fair, 
this is probably the first one. There's been uh, what I think a, a dozen a month on Android devices. So yeah, yeah I mean Android's up, definitely yeah. you know had a lot more issues as far as uh, security as concerned in the you know in the past. And yeah, you know, there've been a whole bunch of reasons for that. Uh, Third party app stores probably being the you know the major one. Um, but yeah, app, I guess that you know Android's been uh, left itself a little bit more wide open. But um, this particular new malware is is pretty interesting. Gets onto the Mac and then able to uh, infect an iPhone um, that's connected in via uh, you know USB and uh, Lightning cable sort of thing into uh, into the Mac, which is a, a you know a, a fascinating. Uh, thing that you know maybe wasn't expected, but uh, yeah, gets in there and uh, and then starts messing around with your uh, with your app. So yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be curious in terms of uh, whether this sort of really becomes a uh, a major issue over time or uh, is is dealt with uh, you know pretty quickly and uh, and aggressively by Apple. Apple's always done a good job of patching any holes that they find right away. So I would expect them to do the same thing. Interestingly, we, uh, we we were talking uh, Max on the podcast a uh, a, a few uh, few weeks ago, and uh, there was there was a there was a comment from uh, from our guest on uh, on that 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 occasion, and um, yeah, it was along the lines of uh, oh, don't see uh, malware on uh, on Max, which <laughs> which which is which is an interesting comment, but it wasn't from. Uh, I guess someone that works um, with, with supporting a lot, uh, you know, a huge number of Macs out there in, uh, uh, in workplaces because uh, the reality is, is uh, you know, we certainly see uh, Macs get, uh, get affected out there and, yeah, particularly in those sort of environments where uh, people al- allow, uh, you know, personal Macs to be brought into, uh, into a business place. They're not always uh, locked down, secured, patched and, yeah, proactively maintained, and uh, yeah, we, we we see a bit of malware getting onto the Macs these days. Have have you seen any of that here? About one a week. Wow. Yeah, about one a week we see those things, and and it's and it's exactly that. They bring it in crying. They can't believe that a Mac got infected with something. They're outraged, and so we clean them up and we send them on their way and make sure that uh, we give them best practices. Really, what it comes down to. Is using your head. Doesn't matter if you're using a Mac, PC, mobile device, whatever. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. In fact, there's a campaign going on with the Better Business Bureau here in Hawaii that uh, they say if it's too good to be true, ask, "Is it for real?" And uh, that's probably good advice to live by in general. If it's uh, if it's from uh, Africa and they're asking you for money, that's probably not a real email. If you get something in the mail or you get a door knocker, something that's an offer that's too good to be true probably the same thing it's probably not for real so same 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 thing best practices use your head yeah don't get carried away yep no it's uh it's a it's a good point it's a good point um and yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see where uh, what happens with this uh this wire lurker uh in, infection and and how many issues that it um that it actually yeah actually causes so yeah, it seems like uh, at the moment the the um, the malware's been very much uh, focused on um, on China. So um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll wait and see, and uh, hopefully it's something that uh, that that gets dealt with uh, pretty quickly. To be fair, though, it is only a threat for Apple users who disable the iOS security. So they've gone in there and they've already unlocked the whole operating system. So if you're going to be doing that. 
you got to know. You're going to run into yourself trouble. wide open, right? Yeah, yeah you, you shouldn't uh, um, generally be doing that. But I think, you know, uh, if we think about the audience that, that listens into a tech podcast like this, uh, there are always a chunk of users who uh, want to push their device, uh, you know, maybe past various sort of design um, limitations and restrictions. And so uh, um, we'll see that sort of thing happening. Hot riders. <laughs> All right. Now, um, now one, one last piece, uh, Microsoft getting themselves sort of back in the uh, – uh, back in the in the news again, uh, this has come up in the last few days. Is um, Microsoft's um, research and and uh, and development um, guys have uh, come up with this uh, bone conducting headset that's uh, designed to um, uh, guide the blind by uh, providing uh, audio. So, I mean, these sort of uh, bone conducting uh, headset things have been around for uh, um, for a while. Where um, you know, basically, you don't have to have a um, you know an earpiece that that goes into your ear and and, and blocks your hearing, um, but uh, uses a a, you know, a a bone conducting method to uh, pass the audio through. And uh, the i the idea is is um, that basically. This, this headset would be able to take varying information that comes from Bluetooth and Wi-Fi beacons um, that would be placed around uh, you know various areas where people that have uh, um, issues with sight are able to be uh, to be guided around and uh, apparently uh, this thing actually works uh, works really well and there was a v- reviewer um, I was reading on in, in gadget uh, um, who tried it out while blindfolded and uh, said that um, it was so efficient at uh, at, at leading her around um, that she felt like a, a dry land dolphin, um, you know. And of course, we know that uh, that that dolphins guide themselves with uh, with sonar. So yeah, I thought this this sounds uh, sounds pretty fascinating. Now I don't know whether it's something that will uh, yeah end up as a real product, but. Um, well, are, we, are we starting to get to that point where you know there, there's technology that will actually um, you know really free up blind people? Well, it, it can, and you know th- this actually uses sonic transducers, and I'm sh- I'm sure you've known about this. It's been around twenty, thirty years. The the big question that I, I'm hearing from my mom, who's in the medical field, is is this stuff safe? Well, it is. You know, uh, sonic transduction has been around. Uh, I believe it was first introduced in the '80s. Uh, when they had uh, Olympic swimming pools and uh, they wanted to play music f- for the uh, swimmers while they were swimming. And so they put these sonic transducers down there at the bottom. And even in my teenage years when I was building flight simulators, we used tr- sonic transducers to shake the entire cockpit. So it seemed like you were really in a battle. Um, cool. Now that they're using it for medical purposes, that is that is very useful. It's, and and uh, I wonder what else... Uh, they can use it for it does use your your bones and it's kind of cool actually sometimes if you open your mouth the the music will come out of your mouth if you have it attached to your to your bone structure oh that's so, crazy yeah it's it's some neat stuff uh, they are very cool and uh, i hope that they find some other uses for it uh, I, I know, for example, uh, Microsoft has been investing heavily in their R&D for uh, vehicle safety. So I wonder if they could uh, integrate it somehow into that, uh, where maybe you can talk on your Bluetooth using uh, some sort of, uh, or you can listen in through some sonic transduction instead of you know, having it go through your speakers. That would be a neat application. Uh, so 
you know, lots of neat uh, features for it. And just the fact that it's time-tested, proven technology, we're just finding new uses for it. I say keep an eye on that um, because this stuff is going to really make a difference in our lives, uh, especially as they figure out more and more ways to make it practical. Yeah, oh, certainly, uh, you know, it's good to have these these new innovations coming through. Uh, now, another area, and we'll come back to this a little bit more next week, uh, is the new wearable devices. Um, I've been uh, I've been trying out um, both the um, the the Samsung um, Gear S and the uh, the the new Microsoft uh, Band, and one of the things that uh, both of them let you do is to do some sleep tracking and they've got all sorts of sensors in these uh devices and uh my first uh my first two tests haven't gone very well i gotta say um the microsoft one's gone gone reasonably well although it tells me i woke up about i think um the two if i average it out over the the, the two nights that i've i've uh used it tells me i'm uh, i'm i'm waking up on average uh, 13 times a night um, so I don't know. Is that because you've sort of studied the uh, um, sort of sleep habits and so on a, a little bit? Does that sound realistic to you? Thirteen times a night sounds over the top to uh, me. Uh, it does. I wonder if you're sleeping with it, you know, with your head, your forehead on your wrist. I don't, because, yeah, I don't uh, think so. Could um, be disengaging it, maybe. But that compared to what the Samsung has done um, is well, the Samsung's at the opposite end of the scale. Um, I guess that the 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 lesson I've got to learn here is you've got to have both devices fully charged because uh, both of them have been have you know I've been wearing them during the day, used up some battery. Um, each time I wake up in the morning with a Samsung Gear S, and I go to click the uh, screen to tell it that I'm awake now, uh, I find the device has already powered itself off, and it's uh, it's run out of juice. So um, yeah, we I think we have a little bit of a challenge with uh, the just the amount of um, uh, battery that are uh, that are in these devices. Uh, generally, I'm finding that uh, most of the wearables, of, yeah, certainly those with a with a full blown screen, uh, are um, are needing to be charged uh, every day. Now, there's a there are a few variations on uh, on that with devices that uh, that don't have the uh, um, the full screen, and there's a new device from uh, from Fitbit um, that's uh, that's just launched and uh, or in the US and is coming uh, coming fairly soon to uh, uh, to international markets uh, like New Zealand, um, and you know the some of these that are that are just focused on uh, fitness don't have the uh, um, the screens and so on tend to give you a bit of uh, uh, better uh, battery life so um yeah the new fitbit charge is one uh, i'll be trying out probably over the next uh, next couple of weeks and that's got uh, yeah sleep sleep uh tracking and uh yeah and some of the other uh, uh the uh, monitoring things for uh, fitness you know i i'm gonna make a prediction here uh paul i'm gonna think that these that these bands maybe as a sleep aid are going to change. They're going to go around your body. So, for example, there's one I was looking at on Amazon. I said, mm. oh, what is this? This yeah, is really yeah. interesting. So this is a sleep monitor. and this is it's the Misfit Bloom necklace made out of stainless steel. Right. So this is an actual necklace that's meant to work with this product called Shine. Yeah, okay. And Shine is the actual sleep monitor, and it's Bluetooth, and it you know, reports all the stuff to your smartphone the same way. And... This is like a, an actual necklace and a pendant, and, you know, it's fashionable, so, you know, the ladies would love to wear it. But the idea is that now 
the the sleep monitor has migrated from your wrist down to maybe to your chest. Now, my opinion, I would love to try out one of these Samsungs on my ankle. Yeah, because okay. imagine it's it's you know out of the way. I, I I don't have it next to my head. It would probably give me more accurate results. And uh, I remember in our conversation earlier, uh, before before I, I got completely full of cappuccino, uh, <laughs> was uh, talking about how these new smart beds are, are going to be the new trend. So sensors are going to be in everything, but beds are another one. You know, you can have the bed actually monitor how many times you wake up. If it's thirteen times, maybe it's going to watch how you position yourself and adjust the mattress accordingly. Yeah, well, I think that, cool. that sort of thing is is, is great. Um, there's going to be some downsides in, in terms of cost. We have to keep upgrading absolutely everything we own. And, you know, a, 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 a mattress, you'd usually get a good few years out of a, out of a mattress. Um, but, yeah, if the technology in it needs uh, updating all the time, uh, man, if you're rolling that over as quickly as you roll over your smartphones, which uh, for some people is every sort of, you know, six, six months to 12 months, uh, that could get pretty pricey because... Uh, a smart bed. What What do you think that's going to set you back? Um, well, I, I believe the initial estimate's around twenty grand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you know, you you get a new car every few years. You get a new mattress. It's all about quality of life, too. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I could get more uh, quality sleep in the same amount of time, that's that's worth paying for. Yeah. It's not. It's, I guess you spend a lot of time uh, a lot of time sleeping, and if you're tossing and turning and not getting a good sleep, you need to an extra hour of sleep in there just to uh, make it work if uh, if the smart uh, smart mattress can uh, uh, squeeze that amount of sleep in in less time that's that's great too sure you start to snore the mattress adjusts you stop snoring worth it I, I, yeah. I, I would pay for that sounds cool sounds cool well yeah I think you're right there's going to be a lot more uh, a lot more happening in this uh, you know area of um, sensors and and wearables and them all being linked together so uh, yeah I think some fun times ahead well hey that uh, I think that wraps us up for this episode so thank you very much for uh, for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Paul. And for those that are interested in uh, in tracking you down online, uh, website, Twitter handle, where's the best? Uh, what's the best way to find you? Well, just uh, you know, my name is a little bit tough to to remember. It's Attila, but uh, you know, you can always go to soshawaii.com. Uh, you can see my pretty face on there as well as lots of other ways to reach me. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me. And, uh, hey, thanks, everyone, for listening in. Uh, we'll catch you next week on the next episode of the New Zealand Tech Podcast. All right. Aloha. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business.